Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. If you call 911 in the Portland area, there's a chance that your call will be answered by someone who was recently named the North American Dispatcher of the Year. Stephen Ziprich was commended for his compassion and professionalism, keeping callers, patients, and responders safe. He was also singled out for his ability to adapt to major changes in the way calls are handled in the last few years, as Portland's Bureau of Emergency Communications has worked to reduce hold times. Stephen Ziprich joins me now. Congratulations and welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. How did you end up in this profession? Yeah, I I came into this uh, because I was looking for a way to feel like I had purpose in what I was doing and something that was more exciting than selling electrical parts. Is that what you were doing before That's this? That's what I was doing before Directly this. Directly yeah. before you became a 911 dispatcher, you were selling electrical parts. Yeah, I worked for a local electrical supply house. And what made you think that this was the way to to do work that, that in your mind, gave you more meaning? Because I feel like I'm actually helping people. I don't, I mean, I'm sure that may have been helping some people buy their electrical parts, but, <laughs> uh, but I have a greater scope to help people in this job, you know, in this career. And it's meaningful work, not to say that other things aren't meaningful, but for me, this is meaningful work and it's something that I enjoy doing. And that's a big deal. I think that I've, I've heard it said that if you enjoy what you do, you don't work a day in your life, you know, and that's really how I feel it. it I mean, sure, it's I, I go to work, but I, I enjoy doing it and it doesn't feel like it's this stressful experience uh, that I have to get up every day and I go do my job. But it's it's meaningful work and it I am empowered to do it. Hmm. Um. Do, is there a, a buzz or a light that goes off or a tone? I mean, when, when a call is coming in, how do you know a call is coming in? Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, our phone system, our call answering system just picks up the next the next available call that's that's on there. So we'll, we'll sit in uh, what we call ready mode where our we tell the, the computer our uh that we're ready to take the next call. And when I hit that button on my on my keypad, then it picks if there's a call waiting, it picks it up and it just come, pops right into my head and and answers the phone. So there's no there's no buzz or anything. There are some agencies that that do that have that kind of thing where a call is coming in and there's a buzzing sound or a beeping sound. Ours does not. Uh, we just answer whatever. If somebody on hold, we can see that there's calls holding. You push the button, and, and, and there you are with them. Push the button, and there I am. How many calls might you handle in one day? It varies. Uh, kind of the average amount of time that we'd spend on a call would be about three minutes. And if I do six hours of call taking in a ten-hour day, you know, it's 180. Is that 180? Wow. 120. I get math. Math's not my strong suit, right? Well, now. no, but I mean, but but lots but, and lots yeah. and lots is the yeah, answer. And, yeah, and, it's, it's and a lot. three yeah. minutes yeah. is is the average time for you. It's it's kind of yeah. I've, I've, most of the calls will last about that long. Yeah. Can you give us just a sense for the range of calls 
that come in? Sure. Uh, yeah, it ranges from basic medical calls, uh, somebody experiencing vomiting and they need an ambulance for that, to somebody's car just got stolen or their house just got motorized or their house is on fire. Uh, I mean, it's full. There's a full range, uh, and we we answer non-emergency as well. So you know, people might be calling the non-emergency line to report to the police that their car was stolen yesterday, or they woke up and it was broken into. Uh, so we 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 have both of those non-emergency and 911 calls that we take. 911 calls get processed first, and then we get through the non to the non-emergency. Uh, and so, but anyway, the answering the 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 911 call for the sick person or for the the burglary you never know what it's going to be uh, it, there's you know there's shootings and stabbings those are things that happen too so yeah there's a full huge range of what, what we're going to experience in 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 any 3 minute period of time you know so yeah. you don't win this North American award for one particular call. Um, mm -hmm. But when, as part of the nomination process, uh, the people, your managers, um, they have to uh, put audio from at least one call so so the judges can can hear you in action. Yeah. Um, in your case, uh, the call was uh, a woman who had taken a, a potentially lethal amount of a medication attempting to take her own life. Yeah. And then she changed her mind. Can you give us a sense for just what that conversation was like? Yeah, I can try. Sure. Um, yeah. So the call was transferred to me from, or transferred to 911 from the 988 um, suicide prevention hotline. And I spoke with a counselor on that line, and then she introduced the caller to me, and I got some information from her. And she expressed some remorse about having attempted to harm herself, and she had been armed with a knife at one point in the call as well and I was able to get her to put the knife away as well uh, uh, there was a point at which she had like laid down in the roadway and I spent this was an abnormal length of time on the phone with her 20 minutes was about the length of the call and uh, but it that was the it, like being being able to talk with her i mean it's 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 a conversation right so i mean i'm having this conversation with her and i'm i'm trying to gather the information about like what's going on and what what led to this and and how can i help and it was uh it was I, I got I got the enough information at the start to be able to process the call through, and then after I go through the pre the triage protocol that we use, I, then it was just a matter of staying on the phone with her while help was driving and and getting to her so that she could get the help that she needed, and it uh, you know it was a positive outcome, hmm. which is really it's. That's good. It feels good. You mentioned the protocol there. My understanding is now that you have a lot of resources for dozens of different scenarios based on best practices for, for how to handle all kinds of different situations. Yeah. How much do you stick with that kind of um, sort of binary script, asking questions, and then depending on what the answer is, you know, moving on to the next, you know, node of that of that sort of decision tree or conversation tree? And how much do you find that you just have to use your own instincts as someone who's done this for a decade now to just fall, do it your own way? Sure. Yeah, there's – we can enhance the protocol. So, I mean, that's there's more than – there is a script that we read for medical and fire 
calls. That, uh, we need to make sure that we we stick to that script because they're they're written in such a way to be a, to get objective answers to the questions and and it helps drive the 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 right response to the situation that's ongoing. Like for example, to know if somebody is having a heart attack or to give firefighters information about how Correct. to approach a potential fire. Correct. Yeah. Totally. Oh. I, the, uh, the a case where somebody has the the desire to to, to harm themselves, in some ways, it's it feels different. It seems so human and tenuous. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I, so I'm there. I guess that's where I'm wondering how much you just rely on your ability as someone who's been doing this for a while to 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 make a human connection and to just keep them talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, remembering that the person on the other, especially in those those types of calls, that the person on the other end of the phone is important and they matter, trying to maintain a high level of compassion and empathy for their situation and what they're going through is a big part of it and making, and making that connection and letting them know that I'm not there to judge them and trying to keep get that information relayed as I'm as I'm giving the instructions or I'm asking the questions and telling them why I'm asking these questions and like what's the purpose behind this you know and that it's to keep them safe and my responders safe and and it we we have the ability to to do that. I mean, we are human people. You know, we're we're not robots, and we're we we can make that personal connection with the person that's calling. They're crying out for help because they're in this desperate situation. I should just remind folks um, that if if you or someone you know is struggling, you can call or text nine eight eight to reach the suicide and crisis lifeline. That there is help available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Right now, though, we are talking with Stephen Ziprich, who is a 911 dispatcher in Portland, and he was named the 2023 North American Dispatcher of the Year by a group I had never heard of before this week, the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch. Are there times of year or specific holidays that you just know from experience are going to be particularly busy or particularly hard? Yeah, yeah. Fourth of July tends to be our busiest day. Uh, I was fortunate to not nah, wasn't working this year. You look, uh, had, you, you look at the, the calendar fun. and you think, "Oh, good, I'm not working yeah. on July 4th." Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes what are the way. various reasons that July 4th is one of the busiest days? Uh, it, we get a lot of fires, so there's a lot of fires that happen. Unfortunately, you know, people uh, want to have their celebrations with fireworks and things, and unfortunately, those sometimes get out of control and they can lead to lots of fires. Um, uh, you know, there may be other factors involved. A lot of holidays. Uh, well, typically around Christmas or Thanksgiving, those those ones tend to um, up the the count for suicidal people because it's really hard to go through a lot of holidays. Sometimes holidays mean family gets to get togethers, you know, and if they've lost a loved one or or that situation is is has been historically. Uh, Bad in their in their history, then th- that tends to lead them down the, down the road of just wanting to end it, mm-hmm. and so and that that can, so yeah, in that regard, those those holidays can can be difficult as well. Your job, um, and you're not alone in this. I mean, I, I think police officers and, and first responders also have a 
particular view of of humans that maybe leads to the same experience, but it's sort of a never-ending parade of worst-case scenarios, Mm -hmm. heart attacks and car crashes and intentional violence against self or others, overdoses, fires, so many things. Has all this affected the way you think about the risks of life? Hmm. Well, I'm not sure that it has. I, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, to, to a degree, sure. I have, I have two kids. I have two daughters. And, you know, trying to raise them up with an understanding that, uh, you know, like I said, the, the people, that people matter, you know, so that they, they treat other people and themselves with respect and that they, they get to, you know, they, that they, they have the ability to expect respect from other people too. Um, and, uh, but, you know, like, I don't, I don't know the reasons why things happen in all these situations. And it, it's, there, there's a full range of, of what might cause there to be this, uh, these people fighting or, or, uh, the house burning down. It's, you know, it, um, but you don't feel like doing this job has made you more risk averse or more focused on worst case scenarios. No, no, I wouldn't say that it has. No, I don't feel that way. Um, I, I, <laughs> I went, I, I went skydiving when I was 21 and, uh, it was before I, I was working, here in 911 that I was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, that was an enjoyable experience. But uh, one time, one time's enough. Um, but 911 yeah. did not change. So, you had already decided that was enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So things like that. I mean, it's, I, I, I've, uh, I try to main, I, I, I do try to maintain, like, look at, look at my world around me and and stay as safe as I can. And I mean maybe that means that I have become a lot more risk averse in my adult life. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it that way. So I, I guess it, it kind of makes a lot of sense now that I think about it mm-hmm. when you pose it that way. Well, but you're also um, older and you're a parent yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you not take your work home with you, especially if you've had overwhelming calls and maybe I I imagine things don't always go well just by virtue of the numbers sometimes people call you too late and and you might be the one listening to when things go really bad yeah how do you deal with that we have a peer support team that works with us I mean there are other dispatchers and supervisors and and you know when we get those really hard calls we have the ability to just take some time off the floor and talk with them and get those really hard emotions out and talk about how horrible that was that I just had to do that. You know, Is there a culture where you can do that, where, where it's accepted that if, yeah. if someone is overwhelmed in that moment, they can step away and you won't feel guilty about, about no. having other people Ab- have to take more calls? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we try to look out for each other. You know, I mean, one of the things that we say is look out for yourself. Uh, cause that's a big deal. You know, we want to make sure that when, cause we can, we're all up on the floor together and we're, you know, sitting at desks very close by. And, and so when hearing somebody giving CPR instructions, you know, you might, you might hear that that call that they're doing CPR for a, a child and those are really hard. And so, you know, telling the person, Hey, 
are you okay? You know, asking them, are you okay? Do you want to talk to somebody? There's, you know, there's lots of people. And, and the other people that are there reaching, just reaching out to somebody when you hear this hard call come in and, you know, cause it's all in the computer and we can see it too. So, you know, like when, when that happens, being able to take care of each other. And we all, we all know that we all get those calls. Nobody's immune from it. I mean, it's just, it's like you said, it's a matter of numbers. We're just, you're going to get those difficult calls and, uh, you know, having that understanding that I have been there, they're going through that. I can, this is what helped me when I had that situation similar to what you're experiencing now. And, you know, if, if you want to talk about it, if you want to hear what I have to say, I'm more than willing to share, but if you just want to talk, yeah, lay it on me, <laughs> unload. Steven Zipperich, congratulations again. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Steven Zipperich is a award-winning now the 2023 Dispatcher of the Year by the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch, and he is a 911 dispatcher in Portland. Tomorrow on the show for more than 100 years, all the members of Portland City Council have been elected citywide, but that's about to change since voters passed a major overhaul to the city charter in November. We're going to talk to members of a volunteer commission about their proposed maps for how to divide the city into four districts. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Think Out Loud and OPB's critical reporting from all across the Northwest happen only with the support of our members. Do your part now and join in as a sustainer at opb.org pod.